0: Why hello, and welcome to Utalk. I'm Ryan Funk. Utalk is a program dedicated to diversity, highlighting native-born and new Canadians' cultures and experiences. According to Raven, a registered charity, reconciliation needs to recognize the land our indigenous nations have been living on for centuries, and recognize their rights. Susan Smitten tells us more about RAVEN and their mission to raise funds for Indigenous peoples' access to justice.
1: Sure, I am Susan Smitten, I'm the Executive Director at RAVEN, which is an acronym for Respecting Aboriginal Values and Environmental Needs. And that's our official name is Raven, Respecting Aboriginal and Environmental Needs. But uh, everybody calls us Raven Trust because that's our website.
0: Were you there with with the inception of the organization or did you come on uh, afterwards?
1: No, I built it. You built Um, it.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, So Raven turned 12 on April 1st. Uh, So in 2009, I was basically brought in by a board that had the idea of it, a charity and they, they had put the effort into getting charitable status, but they basically had a letter from Industry Canada saying, here's your tax number, you know, CRA, and uh, do you think you could build this? So I took it on and yeah, set about to creating what is now Raven.
0: Let's just kind of go over the details of what exactly Raven is and what you do.
1: It's kind of unique because we're the only, Raven is the only charitable nonprofit in Canada and I think in North America that raises legal defense funds to assist Indigenous nations who choose to enforce their rights in order to protect their land. And in doing so, they enforce their rights by going through the courts. And so we are fundraisers. Uh, sometimes people get confused and think we're lawyers, but in fact, we're not. We are a team, fairly small team, really, uh, but of passionate fundraisers, communicators um, who bridge the, that gap between the nations who launch the legal challenges and come to us and partner with us and then the donors who want to stand with nations and to assist by providing the resources that they need.
0: Since there were no other services like this, like there was a a void that needed kind of a filling.
1: I'm surprised that other uh, organizations haven't started up because the demand is growing. Uh, When Ravens started, we were just assisting two nations, Beaver Lake Cree Nation in... uh, north of Edmonton in the Lac La area, and the Chilcotin uh, who were pushing back on a mine proposal by um, Tosico Mines. And it was just me. I was the only person. And so over time, we've grown to a team of 10 and we're working on eight or 10 campaigns and we've assisted something like 15 different nations now, but we're getting more and more requests for support. So. Uh, I don't know that in the beginning, well, part of it was nobody knew Raven existed and it took a while for us to build up any kind of track record, but I think now with reconciliation being something that is, is supposed to be alive, but it it's floundering um, and nations are, are just taking to the courts because there, there hasn't been any actual tangible action from federal or provincial governments about land rights and and returning land to the nations, Um, the courts have become sort of that last place that they can go to. And so we actually have, yeah. I mean, the demand is there now. Um, I don't know that it was right in the beginning, Brian, but it, it is there now and it's growing.
0: Uh, I know you're situated in in Victoria, but do you work with uh, nations across Canada?
1: Yes, we do. Yeah. We are actually, um, we've worked with nations in Yukon. We have, we're just launching two legal actions in Ontario. Um, We just got a request from a nation in Quebec. Um, We've worked with nations in Alberta and now, and we we did predominantly work with nations in BC in the beginning because... We were so small, you know. That's where Mm -hmm. our reach was. Everybody was like, "Oh, you hear about Raven?" But um, the word is out, I think now, (laughs) and so more and more people are uh, hearing about the work that we have done, and we are getting requests now from coast to coast to coast. Yeah,
0: and hopefully, we can help spread that message a little more.
1: I hope so. Yeah, it's awesome.
0: So I know you've touched on it a little bit already, but you know what is the importance and significance of an organization like this?
1: Real reconciliation has to have um, an underpinning in understanding that it's about the land and Indigenous rights, and uh, and so that requires uh, an upholding of those rights and so the nations though to do that you know their rights are protected in the constitution right in section 35 of the constitution but there's one thing to have a right and then another thing to be able to afford to uphold it in a court especially when you're up against the deep pockets of the federal and provincial governments right so i mean who who could do that and so it's about access to justice you know and it's about making sure that that the nations are thoroughly and well represented so that they have the best legal defense that they can have in terms of presenting their case and and it's interesting cuz uh, i'm not a lawyer but i've you know learning a lot as i we go along and reconciliation actually has a meaning at law which is you know reconciling the prior Uh, interests of the original landholders with this as yet unactually proven crown sovereignty and so by using the courts which a lot of people kind of go well the courts are a colonial system and it's yeah and we agree we're you know it's not necessarily the best possible system but by allowing the nations to have access to it they're actually going in and working to change the system from the inside out, right? They're reigning in crown sovereignty by getting decision after decision that are upholding their rights uh, and and in many cases now starting to acknowledge their Indigenous laws as well. So that's why it's important.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, especially like uh, our Indigenous population's culture has, you know, basically been eradicated, pushed to the side. Like now's the time to kind of uh, protect it protect it and protect our lands and and these people like that have been you know historically taken advantage Um, of i mean
1: decolonization we got a long way to go but you know that doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing absolutely everything we can to get there and so part of that is acknowledging that the the land belongs to the nations and we need to, and when the when the nations make a choice to go to court, then we want to be there, and with the support of all of the donors. And and interestingly, the donors are <clears throat> literally just grassroots. We get donations of as you know as little as five dollars from people who want to give whatever they can because they understand. That the the burden on the nations is completely out of whack, and that we all benefit from the outcome.
0: Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned before, you can only work within the systems that are available, and then once you're in there, then you can help uh, make a change to it.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm hoping that there will be a complete overhaul of systems. I think we need to, you know, the University of Victoria has uh, the the new. Um, combined law program of indigenous law and, and aboriginal, AKA, you know, colonial law. And I think at a certain point, the, the legal system will, will shift and, and begin to work in a different way. It's glacial at at pace, I'm afraid, but (laughs) I think it will, I'm I, I live in the, in the hopes that it will, I will see this in my lifetime and but in that space while we're waiting we just have to work relentlessly to stop the harm and and make things better
0: yeah that seems to be the unfortunate side of you know social change and social um, you know developments it always just happens so slowly even though it's like things you're like what we need this now it seems like straightforward yeah
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. <laughs> uh
0: you talked a little bit about, you know, um uh the donors and grassroots groups that help make this all work. So exactly how does an organization like this work? What you know, what is all needed to make it run?
1: Well, um oh, passion <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of magic actually. We we have a lot of magic happening over here, but um it's you know that blend of um, of the being rooted uh, in the narrative that the nations share with us, and then um, using absolutely every possible way to get that message out. Thankfully, now you know now there's there's so many social media avenues, and we have a, a robust website, and then also and working to uh, find and connect with donors. So we do pretty much everything we can to uh, let people know that we're here and that there are various ways they can donate uh, online, you know, by check, by e-transfer, etc. But it's, and and then we also apply for grants and we don't take any government money. Uh, one of the thing that Raven has uh, stood on a principle of never applying for government funds because we support nations that sue the government and that.
0: Yeah, that would seem a little, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little, a little awkward. Yeah. Awkward.
1: So, um, but we basically, uh, we have it set up so that people can donate or they can, we also created peer peer to uh, peer fundraising campaigns so that, People, we did that with the very first Pull Together campaign, which was the campaign we ran to um, support seven nations that were litigating to stop the Enbridge-Northern Gateway pipeline. And our tagline was, who knew it could be so much fun stopping a pipeline? And we encouraged people to have parties and concerts and backyard barbecues and movie screenings and you name it, car washes, and and raise $650,000 um, for the nations. And so... Uh, it, you know, it requires systems that allow us to track donors. We have to be able to issue receipts, so we have a tax receipting thing here. Um, it, You know, it's it's mostly just managing that space between the, the nations and the donors who want to support them. Um, the funds come into Raven, and we hold them in trust, um, uh, March for whichever campaign it's for, and then the nations um, send us their legal bills. Uh, they sign off on them, and then we just pay all of the all of the costs.
0: How is ecological protection a part of indigenous rights?
1: Things that we've been protecting are watersheds. Right, we the Peel watershed was protected by supporting three nations in Yukon um, and getting a Supreme Court decision that protected it. 80 percent of the Peel watershed, um, protecting the lakes from open pit mining. Uh, Fish Lake, uh, the Chil- is the settler name, but Toltan B, in Chilcotin Territory, has been protected from Taseko Mines open pit project. Um, we're, you know, the we, the nations that we supported, as I just mentioned, that were litigating, stopped the Enbridge Northern Gateway pipeline from going through, and. All of the potential spills on land and in water that could have, you know, and we've been working to support the nations that were uh, litigating to stop the former Kinder Morgan now, the Trans Mountain Pipeline, um, because of the threat to the ocean and orcas. And so there's, uh, it's essentially in most of the ecological protection comes through the fact that the nation's tend to go to court, because there has been some state-sanctioned, generally, uh, potentially damaging industry, um, often, you know, mining, the tar sands. And so it's about looking at what is the impact of that industry. And in in many cases, the nations will say, look, we're not against mining, but we're against this project because look at the footprint it's going to have. Look at the legacy it's going to leave seven generations out. This is not sustainable. There has to be a better way to do this. And well, and it, that's part of it. And it's also about the lack of consultation and the fact that going to a nation and, say, you know, and saying, hey, I was given this permit and this is my idea of consultation is telling you this this is what we're going to do. That's not consultation. That's, uh, you know, that's, well, there's lots of words for that, but um, probably none of them are good for radio. So, um, you know, so there's a, there are, there's many layers to this, but so ecological protection is just something that, um, you know, the nations that we've been working with have been stewarding, for millennia and are and and we're also in that space between bc where there are very few treaties almost none and then the rest of the country where it's all under treaty and so there is that issue that the treaties actually have a tension built into them because they they promise the nations that signed them that they would have in perpetuity access to their traditional lands to hunt trap fish gather medicines, and and in perpetuity, right? Forever. However, the tension in the treaty is that there's an allowable taking up of lands by the government. And so the courts are still struggling to determine what's allowable and then what what leaves the treaty still meaningful. You know, if you have to travel 250 miles to find a moose, is that a meaningful treaty right not really or if the moose that you find is poisoned because it's been drinking water contaminated by tar sands industries where's the meaningful nature of the treaty so again ecological protection is is a multi-layered thing and like I was just indicating it's it's a very big topic yeah we could talk yeah that's about that.
0: that's a big topic uh okay let's let's talk a little bit about the impact of, of raven some of the victories that you've achieved in some of your ongoing and current campaigns that you're hoping to, uh, you know, find some uh, victories for uh, our nations?
1: Yeah, well, um, so I uh, I sort of alluded to them, but uh, we did support uh, three nations to protect, in Yukon, protecting 80% of the Peel watershed. That was a land use planning issue. Uh, We've managed to protect Toltambi Fish Lake from um, the uh, threat of an open pit mine that would destroy not just the lake, but the lake stands at the head of a, the major watershed that goes to the chilco Tisico and then Fraser Rivers. Um, so protecting that amazing l- ecosystem. Uh, we have supported um, uh, Beaver Lake Cree Nation now for basically 12 years. And while it seems, you know, like the tar sands continue to, to be taking over and there, there is hope on the horizon there that there will be a reigning in of that. And uh, so some new campaigns that we have going on, uh, we are supporting a, uh, West Moberly First Nation uh, in their legal action now uh, against Site C, but it's against all three dams and the cumulative impact on their treaty rights. Um, So hopefully there, it will be a stopping of Site C, but also uh, an opportunity to do some mediation uh, of the environment. Um, We're supporting two nations in Ontario, one is still not public, but uh, we are supporting um, Nice-Kantaga, which is in the Ring of Fire area, and uh, over uh, this road building problem that the Ontario government is trying to push forward. And uh, so hopefully pushing that aside and establishing their jurisdiction to that territory. Um, We're working with um, the Wet'suwet'en still, who have two legal actions in court. And uh, we're basically waiting on judgment for, uh, um, there've been a couple of hearings, so we're in a bit of a holding pattern on that one. Uh, So we have, yeah, there's a lot of of, uh, campaigns actually on the go right now. We are very busy, yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and we'll be launching uh, even yet another campaign for a nation here in BC uh, regarding um, mining again, and uh, up, and and the impact of uh, uh, the Mineral Tenure Act and and BC's adoption of DRIPO, which ties in with um, the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People. So so there's some interesting legal precedents that we're hoping to be. Um, pushing forward.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll have to stay tuned.
1: Yes, you will.
0: So I also see that your website has a lot of information on there. Uh, you know, you have webinars and, and a podcast. So tell yeah, me, yeah. kind of, uh, what is the uh, kind of the um, the hopes of you know putting that kind of information on there? And tell me a little bit about uh, Raven's podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we have a new podcast. We've just finished our second season. Uh, the podcast is Raven Debriefs. And people can pick it up anywhere you pick up your podcast. Um, we are sort of uh, exploring the issues that are per- tangential or, or parallel to. So, for example, in season two, we just did a three-part series on indis- indigenous foodways. And so we focused on um, the granny gardens in Hiltzik territory. Jess Housey talks about that. We focus on um, Ed Jensen, who's a sequent hunter, talks about, you know, helping to keep that the traditions alive, but bringing that into non-Indigenous communities. And then Nancy Turner, who's like world famous ethnobotanist talks to us about a whole lot of amazing um, uh, practices and, and um, you know, right from, you know, what would be on a food, what would have been on a a table for an Easter dinner, you know, hundreds of years ago. So uh, we're, and the reason those are important is because that, again, is about the connection to the land. Why are we trying to protect the land? Because these systems are at risk if we don't. So things like that. And and so, yeah, it's, we're really loving that. And we do, we you know, with COVID, right, everybody had to pivot. So we've been pivoting to lots of uh, webinars. We're partnering with um, different organizations, like we have one coming up with Dogwood and uh, just really really, Breach, broaching different subjects. We had a, a fantastic webinar series uh, with um, the people who were doing um, earth um, jurisprudence and around, you know um, the laws the Polly Higgins group. and so that was really amazing. Um, yeah, so we're just looking at different ways to engage and, and get people to think about indigenous rights, indigenous laws and the land in different ways. So, and one of the ways people can even just learn about what we do is we have a a newsletter so they can just sign up on the website
0: and get our
1: newsletter, which comes out now and then.
0: Yeah. Really exciting stuff. Really exciting stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, um, there are so many aspects to it and we keep learning and growing and we're, we're a growing organization and, and we're learning all the time too. So. Uh, we just want to share that with people and, and hopefully our enthusiasm is maybe hopefully a little bit catching and people want to learn more. And so that's uh, what we encourage people to do. Um, you know, we, one of the easiest ways to get involved with Raven is to just uh, sign up for our newsletter and join in some of the webinars that we're teaching or leading. And, and then um, yeah, we're always, we're always open to talking to people and,
0: what are some other um, ways people can help and get involved?
1: Uh, well, they can also, um, uh, like, in terms, if there are particular campaigns that they're interested in, you know, um, we have lots of businesses that have been joining and signing up. So, for example, uh, we're members of 1% for the Planet and lots of businesses can, you uh, uh, create events or campaigns, you know, some amazing local businesses um, like Banditas Taqueria created a menu item for Raven and every order that was of that item, you know, they donated a portion of that to um, one of the campaigns that we were running. Um, Ernst Ice Cream, Ernest Ice Cream did the same thing where they created a flavor and when people bought it then, or, you know, they would donate a portion of the proceeds. Um, everybody get people can just get very creative um so they can host an event they can uh sign up and create a peer-to-peer fundraising event um we love it when people share what we do and uh tell other people about raven because like i said we're even after 12 years we're still growing and and so it's sort of uh, we're we're beyond word of mouth, but it never hurts, right? Oh, of we're, course, of
0: course. It's never bad to have more people talking about your organization.
1: Yeah, and we and we just really love it when people um, show up at the webinars and share where they're at. We're just so grateful. For, honestly, I think I want to share the fact that we we uh, we're at most we are ten people. Like if you mashed all of our hours down, we might be seven people doing all this work and. Uh, we have an amazing board um, our uh, we have a legal advisory panel that's fantastic you know um, and we just have this great team we're so grateful for Um, actually there is one thing i wanted to share we we just launched a new uh a new fund it's an intervener fund because uh, a lot of the nations want to um sometimes intervene on larger legal actions Uh, For example, like the BC bitumen reference, and we supported three nations that had an important voice that needed to be there. Well, now we've launched an intervener fund um, that caps out at $20,000 per nation. But um, we're looking at trying to create more ways that nations can access justice and, and in a fast and nimble way. So we're pretty excited about that. That's on our website. And, and also, we have some really cool educational stuff on our website, and we're about to launch a new educational program that's going to be a 10-module thing. But on our website, we have a really cool project that's mapped that where we had um, the pro bono students at UVic mapped all of the major legal actions so people can go and, and learn about some of the legal precedents that have happened already. Um, yeah, we have a lot of really interesting resources on our website that I would encourage people to just go and noodle around and, and find, and, and maybe there'll be something that really catches their attention. You know, plus we have a lot of really interesting blogs, and, and uh, we're we're um, running a lot more Instagram lives. So there's those for people who are are into listening to um,
0: things. Raven has recently launched an intervener fund as many nations want to intervene on larger legal actions. Another way for nations to access justice. Raven is also launching a 10-module educational series. You can find details on Raven's funds, projects, and ongoing mission on their website at raventrust.com. If you have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight, leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk, this was YouTalk, and have yourself a good one.